Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is a bonus episode of On The Money. I'll be back on Thursday as normal, but today I'm handing over to IR's Richard Hunter, who interviewed Neil Shah, Director at Research and Investor Relations Firm Edison Group. Richard and Neil caught up in the wake of the Investment Research Review to find out how Chancellor Jeremy Hunt plans to use its recommendations to bolster the UK's capital markets and make them a more attractive option for investors. Richard started by asking Neil to give some background to the review and why it matters. Let's take a step back. You can't have avoided the headlines over the last 12 months about the demise of the UK stock market, the de-equitization of the UK stock market, uh, and the repeated sort of calls on, you know, the valuations in the UK are lower, how are we going to attract more companies to list in the UK? Why does it matter? Well, there's lots and lots of work that's been done, particularly post-financial crisis, that shows that good functioning stock markets which fund and facilitate the flow of capital to SMEs lead to productive economies. And there's no surprise in this. You know, these young companies are the innovative companies. They're the ones that generate growth. They're the ones that generate productivity. They're the ones that ultimately mean that your tax receipts, uh, you know, start to be sort of uh, delivered. And And that matters, particularly as the UK's major problem is one around productivity and growth. So the UK government is trying to address this and is trying to change the way our UK market works. And it's a series of wholesale reforms um, started in the Edinburgh reforms, which look at listing rules, look at the way uh, companies report. But probably the two most important pillars of change are one, a series of changes which is, are going to go to stimulate demand for UK equities. And one part of that is really around the pension fund reforms that are taking place, the consolidations of pensions, and actually opening up uh, you know, a pool of capital that's going to go into these SMEs. Another component of the demand element is actually bringing back the era of SID. You may remember the British gas float and the enthusiasm that the retail community had for UK stocks and sort of creating a champion around that. And then there is a feeling that actually the retail investor is a, a little bit underserved by the current system. There, there's been a series of roundtables post the sort of announcements of some of these changes. And, you know, I can give you a couple of anecdotes that complaints a lot of retail investors have are that an RNS goes out, it looks pretty anodyne, but yet the broker probably has got a slightly stronger flavor of, you know, actually what's going on. That information is only going to an institutional audience. I had an IRO over here last week who was saying that, you know, their marginal buyer of his stock and ultimately the valuation they're trading at is the retail investor. Yet every time they say that they're meeting expectations, a retail investor has no idea what that means. So that's one package of reforms on the demand side. On the, on, uh, the, the other side is the investment research review. It's the fact that, you know, they want to make sure information, the right kind of information on listed companies is made available to the widest pool of investors. And uh, Rachel Kent came out with this UK Investment Research Review, a series of measures, but probably the most exciting is the creation of a research platform. And we can go on to talk about you know, what that actually is. So we've heard from you about what the UK government is doing and mm-hmm. has done, commissioned the report. We've obviously had the results out. What are the key 
recommendations apart from the one you just mentioned of the UK Research Review? Okay, so there's a, there's a series of, of reforms in the UK Investment Research uh, Review. Not all of those are going to matter to, I guess, your audience, but the rolling back of the MIFID provisions, which gives the investment manager at least the option of how to pay for uh, investment research rather than just paying it out of P&L, you know, leaning on the academic community to stimulate better quality content, etc., collaboration between the research community and the academic community. The creation of the research platform is a big one, and I will talk about that. Um, a series of reforms on the IPO side, which will hopefully mean that the current uh, rules mean that it's actually quite difficult. You know how markets work on windows. It's actually quite difficult to catch the window under the current rules. So there's a range of a code of conduct, effectively, for people like us. And, and so effectively creating a kite mark for the operators in the market, saying that we will operate to these kind of standards. So those are the, the major initiatives coming through in the UK uh, Investment Research Review. So just to be clear, in terms of the review itself, mm -hmm. is this widespread in terms of blue chips as well? Or are we talking the lower end of the market where over recent years, research has been harder to come by? Yeah, it's a little bit of a debate. So let's, let's get into what the research platform is. The, currently, we're one of the few markets that charges stamp duty to buy shares. Uh, so compared to the US, where there is no stamp duty, or Europe, there's no stamp duty. And one of the proposals the government's looking at is actually creating a stamp duty rebate to fund and promote the provision of research. And the idea around this, and we'll see what number comes up in the autumn statement, is that there'll be a pool of money available to create a research platform, which is governed by a code of conduct, and their job will be to appoint research providers, create a platform where anyone can access the content created freely. The pool of money is going to actually go for the, the payment of that research. Now, none of this is absolutely certain, but there is a sort of leaning towards issuers are unlikely to have to pay for this service. Part of the reason that we're seeing delistings is actually it's quite a heavy cost to be a listed company. And I think there's a feeling you don't want to impose any more costs uh, on the issuer. So a pool of money is going to be made available. The thinking is that you as a listed company can approach the platform and say, I'd like research written on me. The platform will pick five providers based on their expertise or some criteria of covering a sector and either the issue or someone will pick three providers. Three is the magic number because three numbers go on to make a consensus. That research is then, when it's produced, will be made freely available on a, a platform which retail investors, private wealth managers, institutional, everyone can have access to it. Now, we've done this kind of work post-financial crisis. We've done a lot of work with other exchanges around the world in implementing what we call these exchange schemes. And broadly speaking, providing they're constructed correctly, you tend to see an improvement in volumes traded. You tend to see more follow-on capital because of the liquidity that's being created and actually the better valuations that generated. So I'm quite excited about this. Mm. I think that it's potentially uh, something that's going to change the way the UK market is going to work. The devil's always in the detail, right? So it requires proper execution of this and confidence that it's going to be done correctly. But there's a lot of people who want to make this a success. And I think for your audience, it's going to be you know, a welcome source of additional information. Now, is there a test as to where this money is going to be allocated? 
I think we saw from the MIFID provisions that actually it's quite hard to have this sort of red line test that above a particular market cap, you can't participate and below a particular market. It doesn't work that way. So I suspect it's going to be for all companies. And in some ways, that's pretty good because retail investors tend to be invested in Lloyds Bank and Marks and Spencers. And actually, those companies, you know, are the brand names, the champions of the UK market. If they're visible around the research scheme, I suspect it'll be it'll have a better chance of being successful. So I don't think it's going to be just for the small companies. By volume, of course, just the, the natural shape of the market, I suspect there will be more research on the small and mid caps because just there's more of them. But I suspect that the larger companies are also going to participate in, in this because it gives them a very neat solution to keep the retail investor informed. Now, there's no reason why you should know this, but you might have a feel. With that in mind, and with the end user, or one of the end users being the retail investor, something we're always banging a drum about mm -hmm. is jargonese. Uh, what you don't want is a replication of a regulatory news service yeah. release, for example. When the research is there, is there any feel that you have at the moment that that could be um, understandable to, yeah. the, to the non-professional investor? Yeah, I've given a lot of thought to this. And I mean, I think every house, I think, is producing research to a standard that it wants. And everyone wants to add value. And I think actually in the construct of the research scheme, some of those elements can be built into the service requirement provisions that, you know, you can't just regurgitate an RNS. That there's got to be some value add to that. Now, do we produce a different type of research? I mean, to be honest, I, I always guide my analysts about, you know, make it readable, which means, you know, try and remove the jargon from it, make it digestible for laymen, but, you know, get into the details so everyone's got a full set of information around it. And I think there will be an approach of doing that naturally because that makes your sort of content more readable. There are great tools now available out there, so there's nothing to, to stop you building into the platform, for instance, uh, you know, generative AI. So you've got a research note there and you could say, okay, well, now, you know, give me a retail summary of this and provide it, you know, the right risk warnings, et cetera, something can pop up there. And the same tool can can also allow you to say, okay, well, what's changed between this note and the, the, the next? So I, th I think it's quite exciting in terms of, you know, today, the technology that we have and the fact that we're investing in something that's going to, you know, create content which is widely available. It could, if it's done correctly, be very, very useful to people. Now, you have touched on this, but in terms of the platform, who will be covered and by whom? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it really depends on how many sort of companies sign up to it. My sense is talking to a lot of issuers that this is exactly the solution they're looking for. I mean, I think there'll be some companies that choose not to go into the research scheme, either because they feel like, okay, we've got 20 analysts covering us and I don't want another three on top. It's just more work for me. But I think that, that you know, actually it will be a very broad number. Just to give you some context effectively around this, one of the biggest research schemes out there right now is the ASX, which spends about 10 million Australian dollars. I think the UK is thinking of spending multiples of that in terms of its research scheme because A, it's a bigger market, it's a more focused market. I think they really do want to make this a success. And in, in the broad scheme of things, if you can get this sort of change in productivity and growth as part of this, I think that's, uh, that, that is a real rich return effectively uh, for that. And it, it becomes so self-fulfilling because stamp duty is generated from the trading of stock. If you're starting to see more volumes uh, in the market because there's more information available, 
the pot gets bigger, more companies get covered, etc. So I think it's it's got the likelihood of creating some vibrancy around uh, around the UK market. And it in isolation, I don't think this would work, but it's the fact that there's a series of reforms taking place, the demand side on the pensions funds, the listing reforms, etc. So for the first time you're seeing a concerted effort across a range of different measures. And I think the UK is being bold, and I think that that holds us hope for you know what is to come. So I think that my straw numbers around it are that um, if there's 700, sorry, about 1,500 companies that potentially sort of might consider this, you might get coverage of you know something up to 700 off the bat on the back of it. But this is you know very back of the envelope, etc. And I think ultimately what's going to decide whether it's going to be a success or not is how serious the government is, so the level of funding they put behind it, the who is appointed to run it, and whether they get the community behind it. And that means the brokers, the PR companies, the fund managers, and also the issuers. And you know, if you get some some of the larger companies actually signing up for us and sort of championing it, then I think you know actually quite a lot of companies will sign up to it. So we've had the research. We've had the report, we've had the recommendations, and I'm not suggesting you've got a crystal ball, mm -hmm. but when's it gonna go live? Well, there's the election to think about, right? So I think that the probably the biggest timer on this is you know, when is the uh, an election? I think as much as possible, given this is a piece of legislation that is going into effect, look at the, at the autumn statement, you know, and to get it implemented. I suspect they'll want to get it implemented before the next election. My gut feel around it is second half of next year, it's going to go live. The good thing about the UK is that we've got actually a good ecosystem here. There's lots of research providers who are ready to do this. There's lots of platform providers who are ready to do this. So actually, it could move pretty quickly once they decide that this is something they want to do. And I think everyone's looking at, you know, uh, what is Mr. Hunt going to allow for funding? And so, that, you know, all eyes on the, the autumn statement at the back end of November. And just finally, and again, from a, a retail investor point of view, and as you've already mentioned, there will be stocks in the uh, blue chip arena mm -hmm. who are covered by 20 analysts, yeah. but there'll be stocks at the other end of the spectrum where growth can be found, not guaranteed, of course, but yeah. where growth can be found, where, where there might only be coverage by one or two. So is it right for the retail investor to hope that the breadth of research will necessarily grow in terms of smaller, smaller companies? I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, the, you know, there's, it's a significant amount of funding that's going in. And if done correctly, it would lead to actually a significant portion of the UK market being covered um, through a research scheme. And bear in mind, the funding mechanism right now being talked about is this stamp duty rebate. So effectively, it's the buyers of stock effectively are funding this research. My view is that you are going to get the provision of research, but it, it's research which is being paid for effectively by the end investor. And the providers of that research need to bear that in mind that they've got to make it useful to the end investor. And I, I think that, that, you know, when we've talked to retail communities, they want to see it as a check and balance to sort of broker research, right? So I think that's good. Debates stimulate activity around stocks. You do get buyers and sellers, et cetera. You can have, you know, bulls and bears, et cetera. But that's what leads to formation of price and demand around a stock. And so that, I think, is going to be a good thing. As ever, a huge thank you for listening. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. And you can, of course, find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interact Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you on Thursday.